0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Crucible's Fire podcast. Um, you're here live um, on our Friday Bible study. We've got uh, me, I'm Matt Parker here, and uh, I'm the director of the Crucible's Fire, and I'm here with my, my good friend, I don't know what to call him sometimes, but he's my good friend Tim Gandy, and uh, we're glad to have y'all with us today. I hope that uh, some of y'all can get on here and join us for, uh, for our time together. We're going to be talking in 2 Kings 17-18 if you want to get your Bible out and um, and join us for a little bit of, of Bible study time. So we'll be back in just a second. We're going to talk about how the church becomes an idol. All right. Um, again, hey, it's good to see you guys. Listen, uh, a couple of things before we get into our text today with Tim. Um, I just want you to notice that I'm, I'm repping the uh, kingdom, Bros for Real Kingdom Focus hat today. And uh, So, Pastor Willie and Pastor Trey, if you're out there watching, um, we're repping y'all's brand today. And uh, if you guys want to find some really interesting content, uh, look up Bros for Real, Kingdom Focus on uh, YouTube. They're also on Facebook, but uh, you can find them on YouTube. They travel the country and talk to people. And as a matter of fact, they're one of our partner ministries that we're using, uh, we're partnering with this year, um, to do the uh, March Madness Bible Giveaway. We've already... Um, in just the last two days, we've had, um, let's see, right at 100 Bibles. Um, have been Money for 100 Bibles have been donated in the last uh, just a couple of days. Um, we're up to about 150. Our goal is um, 350 Bibles. And if you would like to, I've got a little something here to show you. If you would like to help us and partner with us, then uh, you can go to org forward slash donate and uh, pick the March Madness Bible giveaway. Um, we're we're about halfway there and not quite halfway there. So if you would like to help us do that, we're also going to be partnering with uh, not just the bros for real, but also with the House of Hope in Madisonville, a life recovery uh, ministry down there. And so we're just really glad to do that. So, but uh, Tim, how you feeling today? Sonnessy. <laughs> Raise your hand in the audience if you're sinusy. All right. Um, let me do something else here real fast. I'm going to start a recording. Um, what we wanted to do today was jump into, again, this is just us. Uh, I wanted to preface kind of what we do here. Tim and I are not seminary graduates. We are both fresh out of not going to seminary. Um, but we've been around and doing this for quite a while and been doing ministry together for quite a while and have have been able to learn some things and do some things. But I guess for me, as we're doing this study, I want to encourage people to challenge what you think you know. Yeah. Um, it's important to not just take stuff, not not that you dismiss the teachings of people that you respect. I mean, you don't want to do that. I mean, I've done that in the past. It was kind of dumb. But uh, what you do want to do is make sure that you understand what you believe, and it's not just regurgitation that you actually can study it in the Word. Um, I know it frustrates people sometimes when I'm talking with them and, I'll, and I'm and going to ask them, you know, what, what text are you coming out of on this view or that view? And they're like, uh, I don't have one, you know, and I want to encourage people to study. And that's what today's all about. But
1: yeah, um, I was about to say something profound and it just went out of my head. You don't have to be an expert. We're not telling you not... If you have ambitions, and that, that's probably even a bad word, but if you have a leading or something that you wanted to go to seminary and be that, or yeah, or pursue the professional ministry, <clears throat> I we're not talking bad about that in any manner whatsoever. Uh, you know, Matt had a had a path, and I had a path that I went down. I didn't have any great desires to be in the ministry, and turns out I went into the mission field. I'm still involved in that. A lot of fruit transpired down there, and I have worked with hundreds of people that didn't get formally trained. And it's not that they weren't formally trained; it's that they loved the Lord, and there was huge amounts of fruit from that. And not just going and doing it, I got convicted that I needed to start learning. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's so we're trying to help you if if going the seminary or the or the or the. Uh, formal education route, maybe isn't available, or maybe you don't want to do it, who knows, you might decide to go do it later after you start pursuing it.
0: Well, and, and and also, I've been in the ministry a long time, and I've been around people who, you know, have a lot of letters after their names, and I've got a few letters after my name, and I would like to have some more, um, because that's just kind of my thing, but I also know that there's an academic function that you learn in the classroom, but it's a different world when you actually get out there and start putting things into context and actually start living. Um, I, I took some Old Testament, New Testament survey courses as part of my degree, my business degree, because I was at Laterno University. So they required you to have survey courses. And I tried to clip out of them, and they wouldn't let me because they're, like, required. And, um, but I, it struck me in there as there were some young folks in there, younger than me at the time, who they were zealous, and it was great, um, but you could just tell they hadn't had a lot of life experience with what they were learning. And so one of the things that we want to do in this ministry is to do that. So let's jump right in. Um, we're in 2 Kings 17 and 18. If, you, if you've if got a Bible there and you want to um, to jump in and to join us. And here's here's kind of the gist of what I want to talk about is the question before us is how does worship become an idol? And, and what we're going to talk about is kind of what happened in the text. And then we're going to look at, maybe how ways that we can measure that in the, the world around us and how do you see when it's coming how do you see when we get there tim was saying before we got on air um it doesn't happen overnight you know
1: no and as a side note on this at the end of the podcast we're going to talk about how this really goes into what the ministry for crucibles fire in it's not really a plug for crucibles fire it's just a method that we've learned shameless plug and Anyway, my what I'm saying is it is seems like a random jump from last week. Uh, but you're going to see how that ties in back to the unity function we were talking about last week.
0: Right. So if you got your Bible, we go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 17. I want to set the background a little bit for you. Um, long story short, Israel was rebelling against God. God judged them. Again. 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 <laughs> <laughs> again. Um, and seriously, though, like for real, it happened over and over again, and you can really sum up large chunks of the Old Testament with Israel did good, then Israel rebelled, God judged them, then Israel did good, then Israel rebelled, and God judged them. And it's that story on repeat, and it's easy to look back and go, man, they were a bunch of knuckleheads. Uh, but if you look at your own life, you probably notice that we have <laughs> the exact same patterns uh, in our own lives. So anyway, yeah. but what was happening was kings of you know Assyria was on the scene, Israel had been uh ravaged for lack of a better term been being judged and had fallen. Um we pick up the story in 2 Kings 17 and the Bible says and I'm going to read out the Christian Standard Bible but it's interestingly it says we're going to talk about what happened. The Bible says this disaster talking about the fall of Israel happened because the people of Israel sinned against the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. So don't miss that as the fundamental thing. We're going to talk about some specifics of what they did. Um, but fundamentally, they just disobeyed God.
1: And they quit believing Him.
0: And they quit be- That's
1: what it says. Yeah. Over and over
0: again. They just quit believing who God... So my question to you maybe is this, is do you believe God? Uh, this has been a rough several weeks. Um, <laughs> I was on a phone call today uh, at work. We have a prayer group and we were on a phone call and... Um, one of the ladies on the, on the call said, you know, was praying for, for me and for our family. And they said, man, it's been a really rough week for the Parkers. And I'm thinking about it. It's like, man, it really has. It really has. We've had several family members in the hospital, a couple, you know, at death's door. I mean, we like really were thinking that we were just going to have to start making plans, you know, and um, there's just been all kinds of stuff going on and different things like that. And, the the kind of the question the the conversation was like you know but how do you deal with it how do you can and the really the simple question is you just have to believe God, yeah. and you have to believe what he said so they stopped doing that so let's get back into the to the text and then and we're in like verse seven of Second Kings seventeen and so the Bible says in verse eight. Well, right at the end of verse seven, it says they worshipped other gods. So they stopped believing God, and then they started worshiping other gods. Because if you don't believe the God, then you got to fill in that space. Because as you say it all the time, Tim, God has put eternity in the heart of man. We, the secular world, would say it like they have a we have a hole in our soul that only God can fill. Yeah. Um, but eternity's in the heart of man, so uh, they're searching. But then look at verse eight. They lived according to the custom of the nations that the Lord had dispossessed, okay? And I want to tee off on that phrase there that, um, hang on guys, I'm checking Facebook as well to make sure that we're all on here. By the way, I hope you guys, if you're there, if you're listening, you're watching, I see some of you on there, go ahead and uh, comment. Um, Hello, Betty and Jimmy Lanfrey. see you there. Um, We got Terry Payne's watching, got Katrina Morrow. Miss Morrow, you're watching. Okay, side note. Uh, she's uh, husband to Pastor Mike Morrow at uh, Crossbrand Cowboy Church in Lindale. He was my speech and debate coach. So, Miss Morrow, tell Mike to watch the podcast and give us a plug. Shameless plug. Okay, anyway, back to what's happening. Um, these guys had forgotten God or stopped believing God, started worshiping other gods, and then they started doing things the way the nations did it. So, can I
1: put some context on that? Go for it. Not from the scriptures, but applying it to you and me so we have our own churches we say that we believe the word of God Uh, we study the word of God in some context or another you may do it every day you may do it once every two or three years Uh, but if you walk around saying that I believe God and I believe his word and that kind of stuff that's exactly what was going on uh, that same mindset that same tradition so they had the word of god they had moses' word they had all this mm-hmm. over a long period of time and then as they begin to get into trouble and he it says that they started taking on the gods that that uh, god had gone before them so they're running around the desert before they take the promised land he went and ran out right all these people and it was the stuff that they were worshiping we'll define that a little better here in a minute uh, that the people who said they believed and trusted God begin looking at that stuff, and through whatever circumstances transpired, they begin to do those things or follow that. Right, and it almost looked like a both and kind of a
0: deal. Well, and, and we know that that rubs us the wrong way because think about your job. If you've ever, right, your boss says, "I want you to do this job," and they're, they they. Say, it's your job, you're going to do it. But then they go and get your neighbor in the cubicle next to you to do that job. Then that communicates you that they didn't really trust you to do that job in the first place. Yeah. And so they stopped believing God. God really can't do for us what he says he's going to do for us. So we've got to find a different way, which is I'm looking for something else beyond. And
1: the Bible's full of
0: it. it. It's all over the place. And it's not just the Old Testament full of it. It's like yeah. that from Genesis yeah. 3.
1: So, okay. Humans are flawed. So on one hand, tapers take take take, we? take solace in that because it can be redeemed. But if Adam and Eve are in the garden, it says they walked and talked with God on a regular occasion, and Eve gets deceived by this thing to something that looks better, and she does it. Just think how easy it is for
0: us. That's a, you know one of the things Tim and I always try to do with people is we want to give you permission to be human. We don't want you to be. I mean, we don't give you permission to go live debauched lives. But people are so hard on ourselves, We're like, oh, I did this or I thought that, and I can't believe that I was so deceived. And you make a, a great point. I mean, we have a relationship with the Lord, but Eve and Adam walked with him in the cool of the day. Yeah. There was no outside influence, it was three cats in a garden, and you know, all the and she was still deceived. That's a whole different deal. But okay, so let's get back. So they they forgot about God and I want to key up on this phrase that you see in 2 Kings 17. Uh, jump with me down to verse 14. Um, they, they, they had the prophets. They had the law. In verse 14, says, They would not listen. Instead, they became obstinate, like their ancestors who did not believe the Lord their God. They rejected his statutes and his covenant, that he had made with their ancestors and the warnings that he had given them. And here's the thing, watch this. And they followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. And then it says, they followed the surrounding nations. Again, they're blending this worship. So
1: listen, so this is a New American Standard that I'm reading from, and it's kind of a wooden transliteration of what the Hebrew words would have been. So in that same one, so yours says, and they followed, how does it say it?
0: Where is it at? What verse?
1: Verse 14. I can't read.
0: They rejected his statutes and they made with their answers and warnings and they follow worthless idols.
1: And then this one says, and they followed vanity and became vain.
0: Ooh, I like that, I like that actually a little better. Well, <laughs> Sorry, Brandon Smith on the Christian Standard Bible. That's really good.
1: Yeah, so uh, plug for when you're studying, look around different things because you get different context for stuff.
0: Um I don't want to take this rabbit too far, but on that note about studying other things, um, I was preaching at my dad's church last weekend and they they used the King James and I was preaching other King James, which by the way is beautiful and lovely. Um and man, I got some insight out of it that I didn't have in my other translation. It was just great to put them side by side. Okay, so they're following other gods. Verse 16 says they abandoned all the commandments of their God. So it wasn't just that they were looking over the fence to see what was there. They actually began to abandon uh, what God had told them. And made molten images <laughs> and
1: calves, all the stuff that their ancestors had done that they knew they got in trouble
0: for. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, have you ever been in a situation where you see maybe a child or a grandchild walking the, the stupid ways of their parents, and you're like, why didn't they, or maybe even an older sibling, well, surely they could see it is the human way. It's just what we do. And so, but what I wanted to get to, I got to get to where I'm going. Um, so even the people of the land knew that things weren't right because what happens, God sent lions in this story. It, it reminds me of Elijah when he called the bears out and they are like, get up, thou bald head. And he called out the she bears and it ate a bunch of kids. Yeah. You know, and it reminds me of that sort of a story where God sent the lions and it says the lions actually went out and started eating people.
1: Yeah, so the Hebrews occupied Jerusalem and the king of Assyria came and took them out and replaced it with Assyrian people in the city. Yes. And then that line started coming
0: up. Yeah. On. And so you've got. So they weren't
1: church people. The church <laughs> yeah. people got pushed out, and the non church people are in.
0: Yeah. And so the non church people are like, something's wrong. What they actually said in the text was, we don't know how to appease the gods of this land. Keep following. Yeah. And, and because their mindset is, is we've got to appease the gods, we've got to appease the gods, and, and everything's jacked up, and so we don't know what we're doing. And they actually, see the commandment was sent, go get one of the priests and bring them back so he can teach us how to appease the gods of the land.
1: So that's an example of eternity that's been placed in your heart.
0: What do you they mean can, by that? Go with well, that.
1: Well, from their point of view, and there's been a lot of books written on this kind of stuff, so I'm not trying to go over anybody, but the... Uh, they worshipped a plethora of of gods and types and things that were made up by man, but they had enough, call it the stirring of the kingdom, if you will. They understood enough from a supernatural point of view that these lions and stuff were coming and tearing them up that they weren't following the eternal function. Use a little e for that. Uh. And so I know there's probably a lot of people going, Nah, yeah, but they accepted things that were more supernatural back then. Don't really disagree with that completely. Uh, But I'm just saying in the overall scheme of the things here, so you've got unchurched people that are in, Condole coming across them, and their knee-jerk reaction is, we know these guys had another God, and we knew that he was powerful because they know that history. Right, right, right. And it scared
0: them. And so... They brought the priest back. Again, we're about halfway through 17. And it says at the end of verse 28, and he began to teach them how they should fear the Lord. So they're like, something's wrong. And so he came in and he began to teach them the ways of doing it. But look at the next verse. It doesn't even take a sentence. Verse 29, but the people of each nation were still making their own gods in the cities where they lived and putting them in the shrines and in the high places and the people of the Samaria had made. (laughs) <laughs> so the priest comes in and is like, "Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, God, God of of Israel, He operates differently. Here's how you do that." And they're like, "Oh, that sounds great. Let me take that and still do my other stuff." Sound familiar?
1: And I would almost say that it it's wrong, but at minimum, at least they had an excuse because <laughs> yeah. the other people certainly knew by formal teaching, if nothing else, the yeah. other ones are having to. So these guys are like all the rest of us. We're the Gentiles. Yes, we are. But they still kept, you're right, they started intermixing.
0: Well, but what I think is interesting about this, though, too, is they were intermixing. I want to not give them a pass, but at least they were looking.
1: But it also says, but they believed and they
0: feared him. Yes, they did.
1: The other ones, it says, they didn't believe God.
0: You mean that the pagans believed or feared God while the professing followers didn't believe God? We've never seen that before in the church, right? Okay, we got to keep going. All right. Never Go down to verse 32. The Bible says then the they it says they like he just said they feared the Lord but they also made from their ranks priests for the high places who were working for them in the shrines and the high places. Let me interject here real quick. Here's what that looks like. Somebody came in and they said, "Okay, everything's jacked. What do we do?" They brought somebody in and said, "Here's what you do." And they're like, "Okay, that sounds good. Now let's do that our way." Yeah. They made their own priest. And so, remember, our question is, is how does worship become idolatry? Just hang on with me. We're almost there. All right. Then it says, verse 33, they feared the Lord, they worshiped their own gods according to, again, the practice of the nations. Not according to the practices of God, not according to the practices of the priest, but they gave it to them but the practices of the nations. And then it jumps in. Um,
1: we like what the other nations are doing, so we think we're gonna do that too without analyzing what's look
0: what's going on there exactly. what's really transpiring. Verse 31 says 41 says, They feared the Lord but also served other idols. Now here's what happens in verse in chapter 18. All of that is to bring up to give you context for what's about to happen and where I'm really gonna punch in on, on what's happening here. Um we're 20 minutes in. So King Hezekiah comes on the scene. Good King Hezekiah. Okay, that's what, I mean, that's what I've always heard him called, was um, uh, good King Hezekiah. He comes on the scene, and we see in chapter 18, verse 3, he did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. Now here, that's, oh, I almost want my head off. That's important. He wasn't using as his pattern the other nations, or even what this priest had said, He went all the way back in Bible study. We would almost call that as he went back to the original languages. He went back to the root. He went back to King David. Though David, by the way, David was jacked up. A man after God's own heart, but he was jacked up. Read the story. And but but David did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So Hezekiah looked back and said, When was this right? And he used that as his pattern. Yes. He didn't use everything, what he thought around him as his pattern. He looked at what was right and used that as his pattern. That's important because then he's, look at what he says. This is, <laughs> I've been waiting all week to get to this verse. Okay. he Verse four, he removed the high places, shattered, uh, I just lost my spot. Okay. He removed the high places, shattered the sacred pillars, cut down the astral poles. Catch this. So, Wait. Okay. He won't let me catch this. Go for it, this go for makes it.
1: makes a difference. He removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah. That's the other people's God stuff. Yes. Now watch what he okay. does. Okay,
0: yeah. So, oh, thank you for making that distinction because he goes through the land cutting down. Now, because here's what's going to happen. Every professing Christian, if this was happening right now, this would be the equivalent of he went through and cut down all the occult worship. He went through and took down all of the worship temples for the devil and all of the Um, houses of prostitution he was doing he was getting rid of all the bad stuff and everybody would be like yeah we're on board we're on board yeah get them get them asherah poles get them things down out of there and everybody's shouting but uh oh what's coming he says he broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses made for until then the Israelites were burning incense to it and it was called the Nahoshtan now here's the thing did you catch that shift he went through and took down all of the stuff that everybody was doing that was bad, but then one of the things he had to take down was something that was given and ordained by God for the entire nation. Remember the question that we had was when and how does worship become idolatry, and we see it in this text. God gave them something. It wasn't just for their worship. It wasn't. It wasn't for their worship. It was for their salvation. They literally saved their lives it literally saved their lives and it says they burned incense to it to it and so when we begin to worship the thing over and above the god of the thing and you can inject anything in the place of the thing
1: and here's the turmoil so the the assyrians that were living there They knew some significance to it, but if there were any Hebrews still there, and he went and broke that thing up. If you're my age, or you've been in a traditional church, you know, up at the front of the foyer, especially in Baptist churches, well, in other churches too, they have a big Bible up there on the table, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's a lot of people that really attach to that kind of stuff. So here's the symbolism. Him breaking this thing up would be the same thing as you walking into your family church with that thing on there, and you picked it up and lit it on fire. Exactly. Because they're worshiping that book and not the one who made the book.
0: Exactly. And so I guess one of the things that hit me as I was studying this, um, if, if if you read on, we won't read the rest of it. You can go read it on your own. The next phrase says, Hezekiah relied on the Lord God of Israel and not one of the kings of Judah was like him either before him or after. In verse 7, the Lord was with him, and wherever he went, prospered. Now, it's easy to get into this role while he went and prospered, but that's not what I want to focus on. The questions that we kind of have, number one, is, is how uh, how do I want to say this? How do you measure? What's the metric that we can use to measure to see if we're going down this path of worshiping the thing versus the God of the thing? What are some things in our current culture um, that, you, that you can see as red flags, um, as pitons in the ground that says, hey, at least look look out because we're heading down? Tim made a statement beforehand, Sodom and Gomorrah didn't happen overnight. No. It it, it was a it was there's a song out there called Slow Fade. Um, this was not something that just all of a sudden came on them. So how can we, Tim, Look in our own, and I don't, I don't mean to say, I mean, go everybody go analyze your own churches, although that's not bad. bad. In our own lives, how can I identify problem areas where I may be going down this path where I'm taking things that God gave me and turning them into idols?
1: Hmm, a short answer. Well, first off, I think you have to measure how you get to a bad spot. So, uh, or, or at least asking yourself that. So if you're finding things in your life and you're doing one of the other things it says in these scriptures is that, uh, especially the Hebrews, they're running off and doing things in secret. So that means they were living the Christian life out in front of everybody else, but they were doing secret stuff at home. Yikes. Um, If you're doing that, you're starting to look towards the other idols. Uh, We think of the idol as I take my iPhone here and it is my life and I do everything with it and I give it preference over everything else. I'm not saying I do that with my phone. I'm just... Right. an object. And we think, well, that's what an idol is and I don't do that. Well, no, it's about where you give your focus and your attention to in that regard and that changes over time. Uh, so uh, if you're doing secret things that you know are not of the Lord, regardless of how educated you are in the kingdom, uh, and if your heart's perfect toward the Lord and you're doing secret things, Oh, people with a heart perfect toward the Lord don't do secret things. Wrong. The human side will kick in there. But if your heart's perfect toward the Lord, that eternal thing will start planting out and going, that's not good stuff. Yeah. And you'll feel it and you'll know it. So that's a big flag. Start looking for something different. Well, I don't know where to go. Well, uh, you're paying your attention somewhere else besides where the Lord is. That's what's happening. So how do you do that? Well, if you're not studying, it's real simple. It's not rocket science. Start putting yourself back in the face of the Lord, just like you did me when I came when I moved back here, and I hadn't cracked my Bible for five years because I was mad at God, <laughs> and things were messy. And you told me, you said, "Well, that'd probably be a good place to start." He <laughs> wasn't that. being a smart aleck; I it that. was a genuine statement, and I knew he was right. He didn't have to tell me that. Right. But that's the step, and start for lack of a better way, educate yourself to it, but I need it all now. He wants to walk through that path with you.
0: Well, and I think, and we live in a society where I want everything right now, and everything is, I mean, because, and I guess my encouragement out of this is, if it's a slow fade away, into, and, and, you know, we, we step by step, because if you if you look, read this text, I mean, they started by they just didn't believe God, and then they started adding the other gods, then they started blending. I mean, there was a process.
1: But I believe God. Well, if you're doing the secret things, you don't believe, believe God. Exactly. But you're in good company, Abraham and Sarah. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: God gave the promise. He wasn't bringing it through fast enough. Yeah. It, it depends on who you read. Some say it was Sarah's fault. Some say it was Abraham's fault, but... It doesn't matter. Right. They tried to perpetuate that and make it come quicker, and
0: that—that's you know, just not believing I'm God. I'm not
1: kicking them. I, but he said. But he said. But he said. Yeah. Well, now you gotta wait. Gotta wait. Gotta wait.
0: Yeah. Well, when we get into this, I guess this text for me really hit home is that, and I was preaching. I, I this was preaching on something else last week. Uh, out of Psalm 46, actually, and I was using this as the context to kind of let us know what was happening when Psalm 46 was reflecting. Um, And it really hit me. And I I asked the church I was speaking to, I was like, you know, what are things in our own worship individually and as churches to be careful that we don't take the things that God has given us for our worship, for our comfort, for our, maybe our literal salvation like theirs, um, and begin to, Make more of those things than they ought to be made. They're just things. It's like you talked about that family Bible that's at the front. It is the Word of God, and it's precious, and I love it. But, but take take it, make it where it's not the Word. Almost the same reaction would probably happen if you came in with an axe and started busting up the communion table. You know, oh, in a lot yeah. of traditional yeah. churches, or or fill in the blank. You know, well, for what it is.
1: In the end, it's what are you pursuing? If what you're looking at, if looking at it's something that's whether it's a tradition or an item or whatever it is, if it fills your heart to want to pursue God academically, in your mind, in your ways, it's not an idol. Right. If you're looking at that trying to make God, you're going the wrong way.
0: (laughs) Well, then one of the ways that I can, I know in my own life that I've been able to gauge things is is I, I... try to step in my mind through what would happen to my relationship with the Lord if that thing were gone. I, I say it like this. We have to hold things loosely. Um, when you start talking about holding things loosely, you can start telling whether or not you have an idol beginning to build because if you want to hold on to it tightly and you don't ever want to let it go and it's not God himself then you could be running into a, a, a dangerous place. Like these people didn't want to let go of their idol. They didn't want to let go of their brazen serpent because it worked before. It was like good luck charms, but let me phrase it a little bit different. Um, we, we've had to hold our some of our family members loosely. And you want to talk about where the rubber meets the road in terms of um, knowing what your idols are. Because hear, hear me, I'm going to look right in the camera. Once want you to look right at me. Your family can be an idol. Your church can be an idol. Your church service can be an idol. Your ministry can be an idol. And I'm going to tell you how I know that's true. Because after 25 years of ministry, you know, three and a half years ago, when we we merged churches, and all of a sudden, I'm not the guy.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm not the pastor. I'm not an elder. I'm not. A, I'm just a dude sitting in a chair, and that's great. Um, but It rocked my spiritual universe. And there's days I'll still wake up and I'm still getting rocked, okay? And and I realized it took me a while. I mean, good grief, it probably took me 18 months to two years to really kind of figure out and really internalize. My entire identity was wrapped up in what I was doing, where I was serving, and not in who I was serving. And it's almost like I could hear God saying, well, I had to get rid of that because you were worshiping it, not me.
1: That sounds like God.
0: It does. God Having your
1: identity in some of those things is not necessarily a bad thing. See, We're saying all these things, and it's easy to look back and go, oh, I can't do that, and you don't do anything. Right. God doesn't work like that. Pursue what he gives you, and if you become all those things and it starts getting out of hand, he might get irritated. <laughs> but if your heart's perfect, he's going to make a change somewhere. Right. And you may not like it. It may be, you may get mad, you may get hurt, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But he's trying to get you to make sure that you're looking at him for all this stuff. So like I said, anything that you have that you look at that helps you, you see the Lord and that is not what you want God to be, but what he really is. Because it's easy to do that too. Love my children, hold them up, and if you start using them as an idol, that means everything you're doing is pursued What you want them to have, or what they want, and if you're forgetting the kingdom edicts and that stuff, uh, something simple, simple you know, the Lord says, Don't exasperate your children. Yeah, I'm not putting that out there as something that people are falling on, just saying that uh, to try to look for something that's uh uh, that you could pick out of that, and you see you're doing it, it's time to change up.
0: Right, and I think... You don't
1: go murder your kid and throw him in the trash. Right. There's a lot of... (laughs) people kind of think like that. Uh, But
0: anyway. Well, and and I think one of the, the key takeaways that I took out of studying this particular passage was a caution that good things from God can have an improper place. And for me, it's a reminder that Everything on this earth, even those that are given by God, those that stir our affections. David's always talking about on Sunday mornings, our pastor, about stirring your affections for the Lord and embracing things that stir your affections for the Lord. Even some of those things improperly exercised, that's the reason we have so many denominations. Christians can't get along. And to tie it back to John 17, here's the deal. The reason that Christians have so much difficulty being one is because we've put so much of our good things in a place they don't belong. And we begin to worship those things instead of the God of those things. So it's hard for us to see the kingdom in each other. And so the caution that I got out of this is when Hezekiah came on the scene, what he had he had to do, he had to, was tear down some of the stuff from old that was in the wrong place. Now, he didn't take out that story. They yeah. still tell that story to this day but it's got to be told in the proper context and you can't worship the story. And so as we're, you know, to kind of, to wrap this up, what I kind of wanted to, to end with was one of the questions. So We've talked about how do you see it, but how do you avoid it? Or how do you correct it when you see it? Um, What's your first thought that comes to your mind? If you see this happening, what do we do? How do we correct this?
1: Once upon a time, I worked at a place, and I was growing in the Lord. had a healthy church life, for lack of a better way to say it. And where I was working, uh, I had to travel to Dallas, and I'd have to stay there two or three days a week. And uh, there was a person I worked with in this big plant. And one day, I'm driving home. uh, After three days, I was driving home. I worked all night long, worked these 12-hour shifts, and I'm driving back home, you know, so you're kind of dingy started occurring to me what life would be like with her. And I caught myself. And I drove straight to Dan Daniel's house. If you don't know him. Don't worry about that. He's a brother. And I told him. And he looked me right in the face and he said, you need to quit right now. <laughs> and I, 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 how do I do that? You know, I was hanging on by a shoestring like it was. I went to work the next day. And I quit. My boss said, but if you don't give two weeks notice, you know, you're never going to you, you run the chance of being be able to be rehired here. is a, a big company. And I looked him in the face and I said, boss, I don't know if you understand this or not, but I'm a Christian guy. We're kind of a church-going family. And I told him what had happened and told him what I was going to do. And he said, you know, I get that. Do what you have to do.
0: Now, how long did it take you to tell your wife?
1: It was that day and that we don't really have enough time to get into all that. But, you know, you would think, you know, the selfish Christian would say, I did all the things the Lord told me to go. I'm going to go tell her and she's going to be excited. You know what I got? (laughs) For about four minutes, that's what I got.
0: (laughs) That's a long time.
1: And she was pregnant. Mm. so it, it took some time That's to get tough. through that so you're gonna battle the issues you have to even if you do something wrong but that doesn't mean that it's bad yeah he's
0: <laughs> he's so faithful uh, and i i, I want to i'll end it with this we've several of our children have had episodes when they were little of throwing fits and y- y'all guys if you've got kids you know they have been some of ours have been profound um our Brenna, she's, got massive brain damage and is extremely autistic and sometimes she has what we call meltdowns. And for and there's times in those meltdowns, like she likes to poke you in the eye when she's mad. I mean, just like like three stooges. Intentionally? Oh yeah. On purpose. <laughs> or rake across your face or, you know, she's I mean, she's angry, out of control, and it's hurtful towards you personally. And sometimes you have to restrain her and you have to hold her but not one time during those episodes, even if you're kind of irritated with the fact that it's happening, you still love her. Um, and you hold her tight and you get her through it and you know that it's gonna be okay on the other side. And she does too, somewhere down in there. I think about it like that. When I'm mad at the Lord, I'm screwed up. I've done something really dumb or stupid or I'm really off the radar. Or maybe I'm mad at him and I'm railing against him. and Because that's happened, I don't suggest that. That's not good practice because it's irreverent and all those things but god can handle it and here's the way i see it in my mind sometimes i'm like god but i'm mad i've done all these things and i, what and I just see him, He kind of scoops me up and i can hear him going yeah i know i know i'm mad at you though yeah i know and just like you would your kid they're like i hate you i don't want to eat brussels sprouts you're not the, you're the worst parent ever and you're in your heart you're going yeah i know oh. <laughs> I, yeah you're right i am And you don't, but you don't love them any less. And we're able to do that with our kids. How much The
1: parent has to persevere.
0: Exactly. And so God's so much bigger and better than that. And, you know, I want to, I guess the thing I wanted to encourage you with as we we wrap up and we leave today is simply this. Keep watch. Keep watch for those things that you're not willing to hold open-handedly. Keep watch for those things that even the Lord may have given you that you've elevated to a place that, that they don't belong. Be careful of those. And if you see them, when you see them, like Tim said, immediately do what it takes. Find repentance, beg God to grant you repentance and so that you can keep the things of worship pure as they stir you towards who God is and not towards what they are. If you find yourself, I say this all the time, when we're talking about technology or our, our modern church buildings even or the way that we do things, If we're not able to worship God with nothing, we'll never be able to worship him with everything. And so that's my encouragement to you is to be able to worship God with nothing so that the somethings don't become idolatry. Now, we want to starting uh, probably next time uh, to be more prepared for that. But one of the things we want to do on our on our podcast is encourage you um, again. Tim and I are fresh out of not going to seminary, but we know how to study. And one of the things that the Crucible's Fire does do, and this is a shameless plug for the ministry in, because it is my passion. The reason this ministry exists is to equip and to teach people, encourage people, empower people um, to learn, teach, repeat is our catchphrase. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. If you don't know, we want to encourage you to learn as much as you can because there is an academic function. But how do you do that? One of the things we want to start doing on this podcast is sharing with you um, some of the things that uh, we do, the technical steps. Now, very soon, we are working. We don't have a date yet, but we are working. We're going to put on a Saturday workshop. We keep plugging it. As soon as we have a date, we'll let you know of how to study the Bible. And um, the way I characterize that is how to transform your Bible reading into Bible study because they're very different. Um, you can read, get a lot out of it. But some of the stuff that we're talking about and getting out of this takes deep Bible study. There's an academic function. But here's my encouragement. Everybody watching this can do it. If I mean, there are tips, there are tricks, there are things that you can do. You can learn to study like a seminary graduate. And uh, one, that's some of the stuff we want to do. Like, for instance, um, in preparing for today, um, one of the things that I did was I went to Blue Letter Bible. I have the app. I have the, it's just a great quick tool. It's not the be all end all tool, but it's a great quick tool for getting into, um, what some of these words actually mean in the original. Um, we've got about six weeks worth of stuff that we could talk about just on the idea that the serpent was brazen. I mean, that's, there's a lot of significance in that. How you get that stuff, you read, you study, when you have questions, you ask them. And so I want to also encourage you, if you've got topics or questions that you would like to see Tim and I answer on the show, um, put those in the comments, send us uh, uh, an email. Let me see if I can pull it up here. We've got an email that you can contact us at, um, at info at cruciblesfire.org. If you'll send it to that, um, we will answer your questions as best that we can. And more than that, we'll actually show you how we got to the answer so that yeah. you can be equipped. That's our dream and our goal is not to entertain you. Um, not just to give you good lunchtime content, which it is. We want to give you some eye candy for your video here, too, because we're so pretty, but, um, but really to equip the saints and to equip the church uh, to do exactly what he tells us to do, which is learn, teach, repeat, and uh, we'll be breaking that down some more. Don't forget about what we've got going on right now. It is March Madness Bible Giveaway time. If you would like to join with us um, and, and partner with us um, to donate to that, you can go to cruciblesfire.org forward slash donate, and um I got scolded last week real quick for not doing all my shout-outs. By the way, I don't know who's watching unless you comment mm. all the time. So let's see who we've got here. Jeff Corey, good to see you, Pam Ott, and thanks for joining us. Lauren Waycaser, uh, The Lamfries, Betty and Jimmy. We got uh Katrina Morrow. Uh who else is on here? We've got Wayne Livingston. Hey Wayne, um, Ashlyn Ray, Edgar, Edgar Ray, my brother Edgar. How man? How's it going? Uh, Daniel Dingler, Pastor Willie's on Gary Vaughn. That's all I can see so far. So if I missed you, I apologize. But uh, we want to thank you for joining us here on the Crucibles Fire Podcast. Um, right now, the podcast name is Embers and Sparks. I don't like that. We're gonna to have to change it. We're gonna get something that's a little more catchy, um, like you know, I don't know. Don't see, I don't have any. I don't does. have any names. But uh, if, if you've got a suggestion, let us know. Um, we're glad you could be with us today, and uh, and just to help us. I'm bumping my way around here. I'm, see I'm also running the live stream, so it's kind of one of those things where I just do what I can. but go to the cruciblesfire.org, sign up for our updates there. Um, again, go to the donate site if you want to get into March Madness Bible giveaway. We're almost there. We need 350 Bibles. We're about 100 to 20, 125. I haven't counted today um, into that. Five dollars each gets the Bible. Um, We don't take any salary from the ministry. There's no money being exchanged here. This is something we do as a labor of love. So all of your money um, goes exactly to the ministry and to where it's supposed to go. And, uh, don't forget to go out and, and see Bros for Real Kingdom Focus. Go to our web t- or our YouTube channel. Go ahead and like it. Subscribe to it. Hit the bell so you know when we're dropping new content. Like us on Facebook. We're even on Spotify. If you're like, I can't do the whole video thing, and you just want to listen to the audio, there's a link in the description to go to the Spotify podcast, and you can just get the audio there. Tim, you got anything else before we go? How much time do we have? Um, probably about two minutes.
1: Um. So, right quick, kind of a tool in studying, uh, and we hit all around that. So, whatever Bible that you like, this is just an example. And we, you hear the term "word study" and that kind of stuff, uh, and that kind of turns people off sometimes. It's too deep. It's too hard. I'm not smart enough. Whatever your excuse is, one of the ways that kind of fuels that, that makes it interesting, is take the Bible you have, but then get another one and read it. Yeah. A different version. So, you know, I study New American Standard. Uh, But I read the New Living Translation a lot, uh, and the King James Version, because that's what I was raised on, so I use it for comparison. Anyway, you get different terms, like what we talked about here, we brought out a different word, and you think, why is that different? Well, the next logical step is to go digging to find out what that means in Hebrew or in Greek or something like that. And then you start getting, and it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, It's not rocket scientists it's not rocket science right and digging into that deep i am dyslexic so if i'm switching things around and i can still figure this stuff out i assure you you can so uh just a tool to go with that uh it's a practical move
0: um all right well we appreciate you guys coming now be be aware we're going to be doing a how to study the bible to tee off what he's talking about coming soon it's gonna be a saturday workshop it'll be on site somewhere so you can come and, and view it in person. Um, but it's also going to be online. Um, we've also, I'll put a, a comment in, there is a there is a group that we use uh, for this podcast. Um, it's a private Facebook group that we'll be putting Zoom call links in. That, so maybe here soon, one of these days, we'll have an interactive Zoom call where some of you could jump on here. And instead of just watching, you can actually interact with us and, and, uh, and do things uh, you know with us, talk with us online and, and answer questions. But we'll be streaming um, the, how to study the Bible in that group and on a zoom call. So if you can't come in person, there'll be an online option for that. Uh, we'll probably have a sign-up sheet for that coming out soon, a form you can fill out because we kind of need to know how many are coming, um, as far as venue goes. So we really want to share with you and teach you how to do that. Um, but before we go, I just want to, I want to thank you all for coming. I want to pray us out and, uh, Hopefully we'll see you back next time on our Friday Live. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. You just are good to us. We thank you for the opportunity to get online during our lunch break and to uh, just share the word, to encourage people, to equip them. And I pray that your blessings would go before them um, and be on them. And, Father, we just, more than anything, Father, we just hope and pray that your blessings would be on us. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us as we help you to learn, teach, repeat. You guys have a great day.